This episode is brought to you by Daniela Falecki's Teacher Wellbeing Cards. These 52 cards give you simple daily reminders to help better support your well-being. You can use them in staff meetings to build positive conversations or have them in your desk as little pieces of advice to help you get through the day. Find these cards and Daniela's other resources at teacher-wellbeing.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. This week's episode, I have a really interesting one for you. It's about being the CEO of your own life with uh, Lena West, who is a little bit of a different guest, but I'll tell you about her in a minute. Uh, I have a couple of quick announcements. Number one, don't forget that my webinar is on next Tuesday, um, which it's the second in the Preventing Burnout webinar series. Uh, And it's following up from the first webinar, which was about the missing links that I see in the in the burnout prevention conversation. So in this one, I'm going to explore the link between stress and burnout and how you can better manage your stress. So there's going to be some really practical, actionable tips there. Uh, and it's happening on Tuesday, May the 8th at uh, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which is next week if you're listening to this podcast episode the week it goes live. So go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar to sign up. If you're listening to this after that date, go to that uh, URL anyway because there will be a replay available and uh, it will be in my freebies resource library. So um, go to that URL anyway. And if you know that you can't make it live but you are really interested, sign up anyway because, like I said, there'll be a replay. So that uh, is selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar. Um, a little bit going on with me this week. I'm feeling much less stressed than I was last week, uh, as I have now submitted my Churchill Fellowship application, uh, which is to research teacher burnout in the UK, the US and Finland in 2019. I don't know yet whether I've got it or, you know, whether I'll be successful in getting to the next round, but I will keep you posted. And, um, I can tell you what, I employed a lot of the a big week last week for me just with lots of things going on and I employed a lot of the strategies that I am going to be teaching on that uh, webinar. I was putting all of them in place, throwing everything at my health and well-being last week just to keep my you know head above water because it was just a big week. But one of the things that's been really, really great about applying for the Churchill Fellowship um, is that in the process of writing my application, it really helped me clarify what exactly it is I'm doing with self-care for teachers. Um, And I know that might sound a little strange because maybe, you know, maybe you would think it's obvious. I mean, the title's pretty self-explanatory, but it's really helped me kind of focus in on what exactly my kind of angle is in the, in the teacher wellbeing and teacher burnout prevention conversation. Um, For example, although I really love positive education and the positive psychology movements, and I think they're fantastic, um, and I, you know, I have done a little bit of study in that, just basic certificates, but um, it's not something I want to devote my time to um, more in depth at this stage. I'm not ruling out a master's down the track, but you know, one thing at a time. Um, but in the same way, like I also know the absolute importance of curriculum um, and behavior management 
strategies and, you know, relationship building with students and complex relationships with the school leadership in your school and all those sorts of things, organisational factors, um, I know they all have an impact on my health and well-being of teachers. Of course they do, but they're just not my specialty area. And, you know, I guess it's helped me realise that that's okay. Um, if you feel like you need help in one of those areas, there are lots of people who are experts in those areas and I would be happy to refer you to somebody who can help you. Um, or, I mean, lots of those people have been guests on my podcast already, so go back through the archives and uh, and reach out to people who have specialties in those areas and um, and get the help that you need there. Because the bit that really interests me um, is, I mean, yes, organisational wellbeing, absolutely organisational factors that influence burnout. But I know for me that when I was teaching, I experienced, you know, a range of school environments, a range of different organisational, uh, you know, levels of support and, um, you know, different behaviour situations with students and, and some great, some really difficult. And I know that the piece that made the biggest difference for me was learning to prioritise myself and break the habits of people-pleasing and perfectionism and martyrdom, which were really contributing to my health and well-being problems. It wouldn't have mattered how great any school well-being programs were for me um, or indeed whether I was in a different job altogether, you know, if I was, if I'd just stopped teaching in my into my second year when health and well-being was um, really a, a problem for me. Ultimately, none of that really would have changed the fact that I had some self-sabotages that I wasn't looking at. You know, um, I needed to do some deep work, much of it highly emotional, um, in a one-on-one -on -one and some small group settings. And so in order to face my people-pleasing and martyrdom um, tendencies, I, like I had to learn to love myself and accept myself. And that's easy to say, but it's harder to do. Um, and I and I had to get comfortable with being really vulnerable about some of my limitations. Um, and it just wasn't something that I could do in any workplace wellbeing style program. Now, I had a very supportive school, which was great. But again, I, there was work that I had to do on myself outside of the school context. So I guess because that was my story and it's what I went on to particularly study, um, it's now what I work with people to help them with, you know, individually with coaching or in small group programs that are not attached to a school. You know, you're not sitting there with your head of department or your head of curriculum bearing your soul. Like it's, it, there might be other school teachers, but it's not uh, from your school. So there's a bit of anonymity there. And so don't, please don't misunderstand me. I, absolutely know that organizational well-being programs are a vital part of preventing teacher burnout. What I'm saying is that for some people, it doesn't, you know, it's not enough. It doesn't address the underlying personal factors that are contributing to their, you know, well-being or lack thereof. Uh, so that is something that I'm really interested in, in researching more over, you know, whatever happens with the Churchill Fellowship. Um, that's That's my personal interest area. So I will be pursuing it. Uh, regardless of the fellowship application outcome. Because, like, I really think you're a person first and a teacher second. So if you take the teacher out of the school, uh, you're still left with a person who has mental and emotional needs that they quite possibly don't know how to get met. And maybe my message of radical self-love and extreme self-care isn't for everybody. That's okay. Uh, but I'm going to keep sharing it because I trust that the people who need it will find me. Um, and if it resonates with you and if, you know, if you feel like you want to break the habits of people pleasing and perfectionism and martyrdom that are contributing to your health and well-being uh, frustrations, then maybe coaching with me would be a good fit. 
Um, I am booked up for May, but I do have some spots available for life and wellbeing coaching packages in June, um, which will also be the last time to secure my coaching at the current prices because um, prices are going up with the new financial year, which is the beginning of July 2018. Um, I still have some available spaces for discovery calls in May, though. So go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching to book that. If that resonates with you, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to work with you. Uh, so let's talk about this episode. Lena West is a business growth coach and she's based in the US. So she is not really the kind of guest that I've had on this podcast in the past, but I think you're going to really like and resonate with what she has to say because it's, it's really understanding this idea of the CEO mindset and being the CEO of your own life has really made a difference in my life. Um, and, and, and again, with helping to overcome some of those self-sabotages and things. So we, in this episode, we talk about what it means to be a CEO in your life and why it's so important to understand who you are. You know, it's that differentiated self-care stuff, really important. Um, there's no one size fits all. We also talk about how you can use your CEO mindset to um, support your health and well-being because once you recognize your own needs and wants, then you can actually ask for them in an effective way. Uh, and Lena talks about, you know, why the CEO mindset helps you when maybe your job is, you know, something's not ideal for you in your job or your work situation at the moment. It's maybe clashing with your work style or your ideal, you know, um, your values or your needs or whatever. But she talks about moving out of problem mode there and into solution mode. And I really, really like this angle. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. The other thing is that Lena shares a beautiful story about a teacher that made a, an amazing impact on her life, a turning point for her. And, and I just think that's a really good reminder for, for all of us to remember that we will be, we are impacting the students in our lives and the other people around us, you know, no matter what. So it's just a, it's a beautiful story and a, a good reminder. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoy this episode all about how to be the CEO of your own life with coach Lena West. Hello, Lena. Thank you so much for giving up some of your evening over in the US to talk to me on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Welcome. Hey, Ellen. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation because I think it's a really important one. It's a little bit uh, of a, it's not quite my usual conversation here on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to it and I hope that the listeners will enjoy it. Can we um, start by, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell the listeners what, you know, what you do, because you're not my typical was a school teacher now doing something else in the same kind of education well-being realm. Yes, absolutely. So um, I am a coach and a consultant, specifically a business growth coach for women entrepreneurs. And I talk a lot about shifting into the role of from being a business owner to being a CEO. And um, I love what I do. I've been doing it now for 17 years. And um, it's very rewarding work. And um, I'm very much at this stage of the game all about helping people figure out, well, what is my brand of CEO and how can I leverage it in my life, right? So um, maybe we'll get into this, but so often we think of CEO as old white man. And I'm here to say, <laughs> yeah. let's double back and let's redefine that. Let's redefine what CEO is. And um, let's 
put in our own definition of what a CEO is and what being the CEO of our lives and our careers and our families might look like. Exactly. Well, it's about personal leadership, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And we are going to get into that. But before we do, I know that you have a story about uh, a teacher that made an impact on you that you were wanting to share with the audience. And I'm really looking forward to hearing this. Yes, actually, I respect teachers so much. Um, I just, it's, I don't even have the words really, um, because of the impact a teacher named Barbara Deller had on my life when I was in, um, when I was in high school and I was always very bright and very smart and the exceptional student, um, not only was it expected of me from my parents, um, but I also was, you know, naturally just gifted and bright and smart. I've been reading since I'm one and a half. I was in the Elizabeth Seton's um, gifted children's program. And so education and learning has always come naturally to me. And it's always something I welcomed until I got to high school. And then when I got to high school, what ended up happening for me was I, I wanted to get out of the smart box, if you will. And you know, be accepted and be cool and have friends for crying out loud. <laughs> and, um, and so I had started to hang around a group of uh, unsavory people. I mean, it's high school, so it's not too unsavory, right? But just not the right crowd for me and um, where I wanted to, um, where my parents thought were, you know, good influences on me. And, um, and so I, I, I had started to kind of not take my testing so seriously and, um, not study so much. And I remember, oh, it was like, it, it was like it was yesterday. Um, Miss Deller after class, she had noticed, I guess, me hanging around the wrong types of, hanging around the wrong types of people and, um, just not doing the work and how their influence and their lack of studying was rubbing off on me. And I thought when she called me and asked me to stay after class, I thought I was going to be in trouble. I, you know, I thought she was going to yell at me. And she didn't do any of that. And she just said to me, you know, Lena, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being smart. And I was like, whoa, okay. And it just, it stuck with me. And I, she didn't say anything else except that. She didn't say, oh, I've noticed this crowd of people that you're hanging around and those students don't do well. And, you know, she didn't say anything. She didn't say anything except, you know, Lena, there's nothing wrong with being smart. And I thought to myself, okay, I now understand. And um, I straightened my act up. I started to study again. I started to get good grades and I started to care less about my friends. And so I just want to thank all the teachers out there who are listening that, you know, that just, that turned me around and turned me back into wanting to learn again. And you never know, you know, there's a saying the teachers um, amongst teachers is you never know the students you're impacting. And I never had a chance to tell her that. I wish I, I wish I could, but um, it was, um, it was, it was a pivotal point for me. And um, I just, I respect teachers so much because she just, I mean, one line and it changed the complete yeah. trajectory of my high school career. Yeah. And and I think it's so easy when you're, when you're stuck in the day-to-day drudgery, you know, of 
preparing for classes and, and delivering classes and then doing the assessments and getting the report cards and all of that, it's so easy to forget that, you know, the words that we use are so powerful, even when it's just one line and it's in, and that most teachers, you know, that's why we became teachers is we want to make a difference and that people will remember us and what we say. Yes. And I just really love this story because, I mean, for one, I think it makes it really clear that you're coming from a place of understanding the importance of education and, and really appreciating the work that teachers do. But also it's just a great reminder because teachers also have had teachers and, and we've all had usually at least one who's made a big influence on our lives. And I think it's so beautiful to remind ourselves that we're doing that for others as well. Yes, absolutely. We are that person for somebody else. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the recognition may never come. As you said, you know, most of the time teenagers are not, not very good at, at uh, maybe doing <laughs> some of that reflection, but may not be for 20 years until they realize that, hey, that teacher had a real impact. Like that was a turning point for me. Totally um, a turning point for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So let's move on to that, that personal leadership conversation about being the CEO in, you know, not just in business, but, you know, as you said, in your own life, in your own family, in your own uh, workplace. So what does CEO, CEO mindset mean, especially if you're not actually, you know, in a CEO role or any kind of leadership role? What does it mean to be a CEO if you're not in business? Right. So the first thing it means is understanding who you are and how you work and how you operate. There's one thing that I do with all of my clients um, initially when I'm working with them is I have them take these battery of assessments. Um, and I'm sure it's not the sexiest thing, but it does help <laughs> them to understand it's who they are and to get past um, some of the ways that we will um, that we can just say, oh, well, that's just, uh, that, that's me being, you know, a little nitpicky or that's just a, pre a preference or that's just me being, you know, a little bit diva or wanting to have things my way and seeing that, no, 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 just like every student has a way that they learn and each student might be different in the way that they grasp onto a topic or a subject, we have different ways of being in the world that contribute to our success and our forward movement and not absolutely. And, yeah. And people are just not the same. So what works for teacher A is not going to work for teacher B. And so the first stop to having this CEO mind state in your life is understanding who you are and getting the permission. Once you understand who you are, that gives, then gives you the permission to say, Oh, this thing that I thought was just a really bad habit or this thing that I thought this character trait that I thought was just a preference. No, that's within me. And I've got to learn how to work with that and make that character trait, that personality trait work for me and make it my ally. So that's the first stop on the train. And then the second stop on the train is kind of the reverse realizing that other people have other things that make them unique. I think teachers get this already. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of goes without saying. Um, and knowing that not everyone is you. And so this kind of, what it does is it creates this circular way of interacting in that um, uh, Daniel Goldman calls it emotional intelligence. 
you know, based on what I know about myself, this is how I'm going to treat you so that you treat me so that I get what I need and I give you what you need because now I'm understanding more about you and who you are. And everyone can treat each other with respect and value. And that really is um, being a CEO. Once you know what you need in your life, you can then ask for what you need. You feel comfortable saying, you know what? I really don't like iceberg lettuce in my salad. I prefer romaine. <laughs> Thank you. Or, you know, I really don't agree to this particular curriculum. Here's how I would change it. I think this would be more effective. And it's from the smallest thing, you know, the lettuce and the salad, all the way up to which contracts you sign, which um, educational facilities where you work in your career. It's it's a matter of being able to be in your own agency and say, this thing is not just a preference. This isn't oh, something that I happen to like. This is a need within me that needs to be met. And I'm going to ask for what I need. Exactly. And I really like that because it's it's about, as you said, when you understand it, you can then go out and get your needs met in a like in an effective, healthy, respectful way. Mm-hmm. And it's also about getting the best out of yourself. So you're not working against yourself. So a personal example of this for me was that I realized, you know, pretty early on in my teaching career that I was not, I could not stay up late and do, I've had a whole day of work. I've still got, you know, preparations to do for tomorrow or maybe exams to mark or something, papers to grade. I can't stay up late and do that. My brain is just not on, you know, not on fire at, at after dinner. I just really need to go to bed. But I, I'm actually okay with getting up at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning or even 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes if I felt like there was loads to do. I've gone to bed early and I know that if I get up early, I'm going to be super productive mm-hmm. because my brain is on fire then. So I'll get things done twice as fast anyway. And it's it's more enjoyable for me because then I know that I'm working with myself instead of pushing through, you know, when I'm exhausted at the end of the day. But that doesn't work for everybody. Some people are the opposite. Yes. They cannot fire first thing in the morning, but late at night, that's when they come on. And it's just about working with that and being understanding of that. And as you said, giving yourself permission to work with that instead of against that. Absolutely. Agreed. A hundred percent. And that is the CEO mind state, right? Not... Oh, you know, look at your spreadsheets and kind of all the stuffiness that, you know, we think goes along with it. It's really being the CEO is really um, feeling empowered in your own agency to get your needs met and to make sure that because here's the thing. We can think about others and that's great. I mean, obviously, we want to consider other people and their feelings and, um, and, and what their preferences and needs are as well. But if your needs aren't taken care of, you don't have the reserves to even consider someone else's needs because you're in a deficit. Mm, mm, so true. So true. Well, so let's, uh, let's dive a little deeper if, if that's okay. Yes. How do we use our CEO mindset? Once we understand ourselves a little bit better, how can we use our CEO mindset to support our well-being in our own personal life and in our work life? Yes, I love this question. So a couple things. Um, getting your needs met is so important, right? 
So once you understand who you are, then you can say, listen, um, like, so here's, I'll use myself as an example, just because that's easiest, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm an introvert. I love talking at length about topics that just jazz me. I could talk to you for hours about this, right? But I'm also an introvert. And so I know this about myself. And so I govern myself accordingly when it comes to my self-care. I make sure that I take downtime. I make sure that I have long stretches of silence. I make sure that when I do have to be in crowds because I'm speaking on a stage or I'm at different places, I make sure that I have time alone so that I can rest and recharge. Um, and I really also... Um, I'm, I'm also someone who's considered an HSP. And so yes. um, what that also means is I need long stretches of really deep silence and quiet and insulation from startling noises and things of that nature. And so that's what you bring into your self-care. You say, well, what do I need? And I am someone who needs a little bit more than just a um, morning yoga session to myself. I'm someone who needs a little bit more than that. And so that's that's truly what bringing that mind state into your self-care means. It's getting those needs met and identifying what those needs are. So my needs are not going to be Ellen's needs and Ellen's needs are not going to be my needs. Um, it was so interesting the other day I showed a client because we do our calls via video. I, sh I shared my screen and I showed my morning routine um, I showed her my morning routine and she was like, whoa. And I was like, exactly. But that's what's required for me in terms of my morning self-care um, and, you know, to, to get myself into a state. And like you said, if you need to get up earlier, then and that's doesn't, you know, and that works for you. Great. If you need to and you want to stay up later because you've got that time and then that's when your energy understanding your personal energy patterns is huge. Um, I am no good to the world before 10 a.m. I'm a bubbling idiot before 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's it's powerful, isn't it? And, and you know, I'm actually a HSP as well. So I think that, our, you know, I really resonate with that. And, and my journey as a teacher was really about realizing that, oh, I'm, I do also need a little bit more than maybe the, the teachers next to me in the staff room. But that being said, there's nothing wrong either if you don't, feel like you need these a huge morning routine to switch on yes. for the day. It's that's that's the point, isn't it? It's about figuring out who you are and what works for yes, you. Absolutely. Because again, what works for me is not going to work for the next person. And one of the things and also realizing where you are, there's there are these, these things that I call um qualifying events, right? And they're times in our lives when things are just happening and um we need to take that much more self-care. So, for example, when my mom was sick, I really needed to take care of yeah. myself because um, the first time she had an operation, I remember I got sick back-to-back -back twice. I just got one cold and got over it, and then I got really sick with a really a worse cold, you know, right after that. And so I said, okay, I'm not taking care of myself. So depending upon what you're going through and what's happening in your life, you may need to ratchet up that self-care or you may need to just be, you know, in maintenance mode. Don't think that maintenance mode is going to get you through the tough times. You may be doing a great job of self-care, just not for this particular time in your life. And that's so important. 
once something presents itself, um, a qualifying event, someone in your family is sick, you've got a sick child, you get sick, your partner gets sick, you've got some stress at your job. Once those things pop up, you need to ask yourself, okay, do I need to reevaluate my self-care? Because, you know, once something introduces itself, now you're dipping into your reserves. So then how do you still then create reserves if you're doing this, the same amount of self-care? It doesn't happen unless you're intentional about it. Right. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. I'm always saying that. Nope. And so then in terms of, um, I know that one of the questions people probably regularly ask you about this is then, well, what about if my there are aspects of my job that are ap- ap- actually sort of at odds with the way I prefer to work? How does the CEO uh, mindset help in those situations? What it does is, first of all, it points it out to you. It lets you know that this way of going about things at my job, it's not that I'm being nitpicky. It's really against my values or it's not, you know, it's really incongruent with my work style. It lets you know that it's not you being a pain or a pest or oversensitive. It lets you know, oh, okay, so this is really not congruent with my work style or uh, my governing archetypes or my human design or my personality or whatever it is. You get to see it for what it is so that you don't internalize it and make it your fault and blame yourself, right? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing that it does is it puts you in solution mode because now you can find remedy. So if you go eight hours a day and you are doing things that just are not you know, I really don't think that we need to be approaching our students' rest time in this way or what have you, right? You know that you can say, okay, well, that I'm with, I'm, I'm at odds with that all day, every day. I'm going to make sure that when I get home and outside of on outside of here on the weekends, that I really shore up myself with things that I love to do, and you make sure that you don't take on projects that are going to impact you in the same way. So let's say you've got a situation at your job that doesn't quite jive with you. Don't go and then accept a volunteer position that doesn't quite jive with you because now you've got two big parts of your life that aren't quite jiving with you and that creates stress. Accept a volunteer position or go and do things in your life that are fun, that really do jive with you to sort of compensate for the stuff that you got to deal with at your job. Mm. I I think that is really valuable advice because it's not about saying, well, something's going on at work that's not, you know, doesn't doesn't really suit my personality, for example. Well, I quit, I'm out. It's it's about saying, okay, look, there's things that I might have to do that I don't love or that are a bit more effort for me, but I'm going to take that into account then in the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And, uh, it, you know, for me, the CEO mindset, um, idea has been so powerful because it's about me taking, you know, leadership and, and agency. I love that you use that word agency over my own life. I, you know, instead of letting life run me, you know, uh, it's not just all happening to me and I have no control. It's like I, I'm going to take some proactive steps here because I see what's happening in this area of life that's maybe taxing my resources a little bit more than than normal. So I'm going to compensate for that elsewhere. Absolutely. And you'll find that, and I don't believe in this, you know, balance talk. There's, there's only <laughs> trade-offs. There's no balance, right? And you'll find that the more you 
the more you decide, you know, this isn't everywhere you go, it's not going to be 100% aligned unless you make the environment yourself. As long as you're dealing with other people, it's never going to be 100% the way you want it. That's, you know, kind of not how life works. Um, (laughs) But what you can do is say, in my personal life, I can control this. And so I choose to windsurf on the weekends or I choose to write poetry or I choose to in the evening once once a week or once every two weeks in the evening, I choose to take a poetry class or a creative writing class or something that feeds you so that the thing that's getting on your nerves at work doesn't just have an opportunity to eat at your spirit all day, every day. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. So on that sort of note, um, can we talk about boundaries and, and yes. boundaries between, not just between people, I mean, I, I think that's a very important topic, but, but more boundaries within our own life and how the CEO mindset or how the CEO of, of my life would, would think about boundaries compared to somebody who is maybe thinking, well, life just happens to me. Yes. I love it. I love boundaries. You know, um, boundaries help us. People always think of boundaries um, helping us to keep negative things out, but it also gives you room to let the good stuff in too. Like, let's not forget about that part of it. And boundaries in your life are so important. You know, um, I like to think of the concentric circle model of I'm in the center And then the circle right immediately outside of me, well, that's my family and my loved ones. And then there's another circle that's outside of that, that's maybe my friends and associates. And then another one that's outside of that, that's, you know, maybe my clients and business people. And um, then all the people that I meet at conferences when I'm going and speaking or what have you, right? So if you start to think about it that way, you start to now see Am I allowing someone I met at a conference to have the same access to me as family and friends? <laughs> right? I love this. It's that you start thinking of people as, you know, close to you. And here's, here's what makes me really bummed out. We are told that when we do that, what I just mentioned of, listen, my friends and family have one level of access to me and other people have different, you know, receding levels of access to me. Um, We are told that that's um, being elitist. We are told that that makes us not nice. We are told that that makes us unapproachable. We are told that um, we should always be accessible to everyone and respond to everyone. Otherwise, you are ungracious and ungrateful. And that is not true. Yeah. That is not true. If you look at the CEOs of of large companies or even mid-sized and small companies, they don't have time. They don't even have the time to say no in many instances because their their lives are, you know, busy doing other things. And so either the opportunity, either they say yes to it or it's not even on their radar. And we've got to think about that a little bit more and how can we model that? It doesn't mean that we want to be abrasive or we want to shut people out or be rude. It's how do we take the best of the business world and bring it into our lives so that some of the best practices seep through those boundary lines and we start to say, okay, the level of access this person has to me is incongruent with where they are in my life, who yeah. they are to me in life. And so I'm responding to these this person's emails or this person's phone calls. And you know what? I don't even know how they got my number. Like, what is this even about kind of a thing? Yeah. 
Well, that's why CEOs have receptionists, you know, like that you, you can't just call the CEO. You have right. to go through you know, the, the layers of people in the organization who are kind of the buffers so that, this, you know, the people higher up in the organization can like get the work done <laughs> um, instead of respond to the person who's just got a general inquiry on the phone. And so I think we have to kind of take that thought and be like, okay, how can I apply that to my life? I don't have a receptionist of my own, but right. I can create some boundaries a, a woman was just telling me on facebook the other day that um she has just removed her work email from her phone yeah. so that that has just allowed her to just not get you know the pings of notifications of work emails when she's you know out on the weekend with her partner or whatever she's, it's not about um never checking work emails it's just about having a bit of a boundary there it's not intruding on work life so we've just removed that because Work doesn't have access to my personal phone on the weekends, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I tell my clients, listen, none of us are heart surgeons or brain surgeons. So whatever it is can wait. Like that's, you know, nothing has, nothing is that serious that you have to be on. I started last year taking um, Sundays off of social media altogether, just not even available not even on. I'm not online in any degree at all. I'm not checking email. I'm not responding to email. Just completely off the grid and spending time with myself, spending time with my family, spending time with my loved ones. And just last month, I extended that to Saturday. So now on once Friday afternoon comes, it's over. Like I'm yeah. I, the internet and email doesn't see me again until Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I really like about that example is that you didn't do it all at once. No. You actually took one step and then you took the, you know, you took one step, got people used to that, you know, eased yourself into that boundary and then you took the next step. So it doesn't have to happen all at once. It's incremental change, isn't it? Yes. And I had to do that because it took me a while to get used to not being online because, you know, you think, oh, I'll just go check on Facebook. And before you know it, you're just sitting there and an hour has passed and you're like, why am I yeah. looking at these crazy cat memes? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, this is not the, you know, I'm missing my life for this, yeah. this funny cat video. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this has been amazing, Lena. I, I really appreciate because I think this is so important and I, it, it's something that is, I have found is talked about in the business world, but it's not really information that I ever got when I was teaching. And I think that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast and share this fabulous information. And just a, it's just a perspective shift, really. Yeah. Um, to wrap up, I'd love to hear what you, what you would recommend to early career teachers. You know, they've just graduated from university and they're just starting out in their career. What would be your maybe top three tips to set them up to have a CEO mindset at the very beginning phases of their career? Okay, so I love this question. I loved all the questions. They're so good. Okay, so the first <laughs> thing I would say is take some of the main, um, more popular assessments and really understand who you are and understand your work style. So um, take the Colby assessment that speaks to your work style. Um, take the Fascination by Sally Hogshead. Take her assessment. Um, you might want to do Myers-Briggs. You might want to do Strength Finders, Archetypes.com. The point is, the more you know about yourself, you know, what's the saying? If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And the more you yes. know about who you are, you'll know where those boundaries are. It's just, the more I find out about myself, 
the more I know, like, oh, that's, I need to have a boundary there. Like, that's just not going to work for that. You know, what I now know about me, that's just not going to work. <laughs> These two things don't go together. And so we've got to fix this kind of thing. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Understand deeply who you are and never miss the opportunity to find out more about who you are. You are very complex and don't think that just because you've taken, you know, one battery of assessments that you know who you are completely. Um, I am still finding out. I'm 17 years into my business and I'm still finding out who I am and my preferences. So just that first part of knowing yourself um, and, and being willing to always learn more about yourself. The second thing that I would say is um, be willing to ask for what you need. I can't tell you how many, and need and want, um, I can't tell you how many times I have appeared and gotten, uh, appeared on stages, gotten media coverage, been asked to participate in a, a key project, whatever it is that your heart desires. I, I, people say, well, how did that happen for you? Well, I asked them. Yeah. And you just, you know, it's such a simple thing, but we are told that asking is, um, uh, it's greedy, it's self-promotional, um, it's grabby, it's needy, so needy and greedy, you know, um, and it's just, it's, it's none of those things. It's being willing to ask for what makes your heart sing. Um, and so, so that's, that's, the other, you know, the other key. And the the third thing I would say is learn how to be, learn how to reframe and learn how to be resilient. Um, if the, if small blips that happen in life are enough to rattle your cage, then what you're doing is sending the signal to your higher self and also to the universe that you're not ready for the bigger stuff. Because if this little stuff is rattling you, the big stuff is going to just, you know, shake you out into the ocean or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's being resilient and saying, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try this other angle. Um, and reframing. Okay, well, this, you know, this person's input is not about me personally. This person is clearly having a bad day. Bless them and allow them to move on. Reframing and resilience have been two of my keys because I can honestly tell you, I really don't care what people think about me. And what's the saying? If you allow them to make you, you'll allow them to break you. So while I'm grateful when people say really nice things about me and to me, I'm, I'm so grateful because truly people don't have to say anything at all to me. Um, I don't allow it to inform who I am. I take my knowledge of who I am from me. And there's a diff- there's a there's a there's a difference in that. So then it doesn't matter what others think. It matters what I think. Oh, that's powerful. I, I and I think I really hope that I mean I think that's gonna be valuable for not just early career teachers, I think that's for er- for everybody. Um but I really hope that if there are teachers listening who are just at the end of their university years or they're just in their first year and they're, you know, feeling a bit overwhelmed by all of the all of the challenges that that come with that stage of life. I really hope that you take this advice on board and and just pick one at a time and and work on incorporating it into your life because it's it's very valuable and it does make a difference. Yes. Well, thank you so much Lena. This has been absolute gold. 
Would you be able to tell people where they can follow you and connect with you online if, if they do want to do that? Yes, they can. They can connect with me on Facebook. I'm, I'm not always on Facebook, but I am present there a lot. Not on a weekend. So, exactly, not on a weekend. So, Lena West, <laughs> you'll, see my, you'll see my picture there. Um, I'm Lena yeah. West on Facebook, and also they can email me at lena at lenawest.com. Excellent. Well, thank you. I will put all of those details in the show notes as well, as well as the list of those wonderful personality uh, frameworks uh, that you mentioned, because I think they're really good idea. And I, I will be uh, checking back in with listeners in a, in a couple of months to make sure that they have gone and done that and, and remind them if they haven't. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much, Lena. This has been absolutely wonderful. I so appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. This has been great. I love it. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 